Hey guys, welcome back to a new podcast. Firstly, I'd like to apologize for the lack of uploads. It's probably been about five weeks since I've posted a podcast and probably about four weeks since I posted an actual video. Again, I've let Grafton Digital, my business, uh, take all my time. I've been investing so much time and effort into that uh, and I love it, but I also love making podcasts and I've really neglected it. So we're back today with a new podcast and I want to go weekly from now back like I was a few weeks ago. I love making podcasts. I have some incredible guests lined up over the next few weeks. So really looking forward to sharing that with all of you. Today on the podcast, I had Pat Divley. Pat is one of the top speakers and podcasters in the country. He is so self-aware and has learned so much over his lifetime and gives it in a very understandable way. I learned a lot even just sitting down speaking to him about you know his lessons through jiu-jitsu and focusing on mental health and focusing on happiness rather than monetary gain and so yeah really really looking forward to you listening to the podcast and yeah let's get into it hey guys welcome back to episode 17 of calculated chaos today i'm here with pat divley right pat we give a quick introduction to yourself and we'll go from there sure 17 well done yeah (laughs) um yeah, my name is Pat Zibali. I'm based out in Barna here in Galway. Um, got involved in the fitness space back when I was 18, so that's a long time ago now. It's kind of 14 years now. And I was in fitness for 10 years, so initially I worked in different gyms. I opened my own gym after failing with my first business. Um, brought out a couple of books in the fitness space, built a big online fitness business. And that kind of brought me up to 28 a couple of years ago. And at that point, I, I transitioned away from fitness more into what I might call mental fitness or personal development. And primarily now I do a lot of work around seminars, keynotes, um, retreats, corporate work, all about mental fitness and resilience. So just giving people simple tools for confidence, for fulfillment, you know, looking at meditation and looking at a more holistic approach to health, I suppose. So mm. that's, that's my work. And then outside of work, obviously, I do a lot of jujitsu. That's how we met. Um, I climb mountains. I do a bit of rock climbing, a bit of surfing and a bit of yoga. Um, so, yeah, I try to squeeze, into, squeeze as much as I can into life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, we met through jujitsu, um, which I think you've really in the last few years because you originally did MMA like years ago. Yeah. Do you want to tell that story and then we'll go move into jujitsu now? Yeah, randomly enough, I suppose when I was a teenager, I took up judo. I was mad. I wanted to be a professional wrestler and I was deadly serious about it. And so I contacted a wrestling school and I said, what can I do whilst I'm in school so that when I finish school, I'm ready to be a wrestler? Yeah. And they said, take up judo because it teaches you how to fall without hurting yourself. And so the next day I went into school, there was a sign up for judo as if the law of attraction or whatever else. Started judo, won a couple of Irish titles in judo as a teenager. And then I went off to the States on a J1 when I was 18 to train full time in MMA. Did that for two summers and then gave it up to be an adult and to chase money and success and all these things for 10 years. And then at 28, I had achieved a lot of the things I thought I wanted to achieve, but I felt a little bit... Um, I just wasn't fulfilled. I was always chasing goals, but I wasn't enjoying my day to day. And then I decided to go back to jiu-jitsu three years ago now. So I threw myself into it and I train, try to get five sessions a week if I can. Mm. So it's just, it's added a huge amount to my life and, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, no, I definitely, I like, I know I credit a lot of personal growth to jiu-jitsu, you know, because like it's, like some would say it's simulated murder, you know, as in they're literally trying to kill each other because that's what it's designed to do. But at the same time, it teaches such amount of self-control and I, I felt like a lot of self-confidence after doing it because and this serious bond around it, especially in, in our gym Shaolin, 
like everyone you go you go hard and train and and then afterwards it's this huge camaraderie you know hang out afterwards and all that crack yeah. um but i suppose is that did you find that especially in jiu-jitsu or was that all similar in most martial arts obviously you had your judo and then wrestling and everything yeah um jiu-jitsu is different i mean you know i'm i'm in I do seminars for hundreds of women and men, but a lot of women come to the seminars and they're fascinated by how much I talk about jujitsu and they're like, what is it? And why is it so, um, why is it, why do you talk about it so much? And I think jujitsu to me, it teaches you about, you know, letting go of the ego to some extent because mm. you're going to get beaten up every time you train. Yeah. You might train for years and have someone come in on their first night that'll give you a hard time and you start thinking, Jesus, should I give this up? So it teaches you about that. It teaches you about community. It allows you to become present because you're not thinking about the future or the past. There's a competitive element to it. There's camaraderie to it. So I think it just ticks a lot of boxes. Um, other martial arts have that for sure, but there's something special in jiu-jitsu. Mm. Um, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's changed my life for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose, so we'll go back to the kind of the start of your story. So you kind of went to the States and everything and you came back and do you want to tell the kind of stories? So you were, you're a fully qualified personal trainer mm. um, and you kind of go into Dublin and stuff and kind of that adversity, the adversity you kind of went through. Yeah, so basically I met a mentor of mine when I was 18 out in the States. His name was Eric Coleman and he was 28 at the time, so 10 years older than me. And he was an amazing fitness instructor and he kind of inspired me to get into fitness. I'd always been into it, but he inspired me to like pursue it. And he ended up committing suicide. He had really struggled with his mental health. And I think when that happened and I was 18 or 19, I couldn't get my head around it. Um, but I did promise myself I was going to pursue fitness I, I was doing an arts degree at the time mm. geography and economics no interest in it um but i said i'd finish it out do my personal training on the side and then i switched i moved to england i did a master's in nutrition and exercise science and then i came out of college at the worst of the recession so 2009 i think i came out a bit entitled and thought that because of a master's i should be making money mm. i should walk into any job um, but the reality was, you know, fitness was a luxury at that time and not everyone needed a trainer or wanted a trainer. It was one of the first things probably to go when the recession came. So um, I worked in a gym in Dublin, um, got fired from that gym pretty swiftly. It was one of the machines that vibrates that you lose weight on. Yeah. Um, and I was very blunt with clients about what I thought of it. So again, probably naive. But uh, I went out on my own then in Dublin and I was kind of adamant coming from Galway that I was going to the big city. It was going to be a big success story. And that stemmed from a lot of insecurity and like a lack of confidence in myself. I felt that if I achieve a lot of things externally, I'll believe in myself eventually because everyone's going to, you know, pat me on the back and yeah. that's, that's going to fulfill me. But obviously that's not the case. But I failed with that business in Dublin. I came back at 24, Christmas Eve, tail between my legs, borrowed money for the bus home, couldn't afford presents for my family. My mum's birthday was Christmas Day. I couldn't afford a present for her. And I just felt a lot of shame. I felt like my parents had supported me and helped me and give me opportunity. And I had failed pretty miserably. And it was one of those where everyone around me had told me there's no career in fitness. Um, particularly at that time, obviously things are quite different now. And I kind of had to admit defeat at that point because I had failed, you know, so came back, moved back in with my parents, got work in a pizza shop, spent six months just crying every day and, and completely lost, really struggling with my mental health. And um, eventually I said I'll start a, a small fitness class on the local beach. That stemmed from seeing someone in the UK doing something similar. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm gonna, if they can do it, I can do it, hopefully. And I uh, started with five people and my kind of premise was, I wanna be the best part of these five people's day. Um, every time they train with me, I know they've got stuff going on at home because I know what it's like now myself. And I think when I was in Dublin, I was a douchey personal trainer that just was gonna count reps and tell you about chicken and broccoli and, and sit-ups and that was all I wanted to do. 
But when I came home, I sort of recognized, you know, everyone's struggling to some degree. Everyone has ups and downs. And the time I spend with a client is not about just push-ups and broccoli, but it's about like just be there for the person, give them a sense of belief and that they can do things they didn't think they could and give them a sense of belonging, that they're a part of something. And so that became the culture of, of my classes on the beach. We had 100 clients within three months, 500 clients within a year. And that opened opportunities, you know, for books and TV and radio and, um, you know, social media was obviously a big part of what I was doing back in the day with Facebook. Um, and yeah, five years on, I had had 25,000 clients go through online training courses and we had raised a quarter of a million for local charities. So I suppose stemming from my lowest point, we were able to achieve a lot. So that was the, the yeah. fitness base. Yeah. And like you clearly have a very, you're very self-aware, like you're, you, even the way you break things down, like you were able to break down critically how jujitsu has helped you in your life. Mm. How, how did you help find that self-awareness? Is it something like, like, is it something that you kind of naturally maybe fell into or was it, do you think over time of you trying to just even just be present that you were, you became more self-aware and you're able to break down how things make you feel and why you do certain things in your life? Yeah, it's um, journaling has been a big practice that I talk about a lot and meditation is obviously something else. But for me, it's, it's been, um, I suppose, just reflecting on your life. And, and one of the things I find is we can be really hard on ourselves when things aren't going to plan. And when you're hard on yourself and you beat yourself up about where you, where you are, it's very hard to move out of that spot. So you think about someone who's struggling with their weight. If that person beats themselves up and feels like, oh, I look horrible and, you know, I shouldn't be this way. And if they really shame themselves, they tend to find it hard to move out of that position. Whereas if there's a more kind of, um, I don't know, is analytical the word, but if you can kind of say, I am where I am based on what I've done and mm -hmm. how I, you know, the actions I take, but I can change. Um, I think that allows you power. So my, my experience has been when I'm happy in life, I reflect on what am I doing that, that is working. Mm -hmm. When I'm not happy, when I struggle with my mental health or I struggle with my energy or I struggle with my confidence, I just step back and I don't get caught up in the storm. I just ask myself, like, what is it that's going on here? And is there something I can do to change? And that just comes from lots of failures. Um, someone asked me the other day, they were like, I was a comment on social media, how are you so wise? And I said, number one, you see my highlight reel online. So yeah. you just see my best bits and I might look wise, but I'm an idiot in a lot of ways. <laughs> but I said, number two, I fail every day and I failed a lot and I'm not afraid to fail. And uh, I think that teaches you a lot of self-awareness as well. But something I tell people all the time is, Everyone's obsessed with the relationships outside of themselves. So what do people think of me? Will people accept me? Will people approve of me? I just need to approve of myself. And to improve a relationship with someone else, for me and you to have a better relationship, we'd have to spend time together. Mm -hmm. We'd have to have new experiences and new conversations. We'd have to be present. So we wouldn't be on the phone all the time. We wouldn't be having the same conversation every day. Um, but then with ourselves, we want to improve that relationship. Do I take time for myself? Do I have new experiences and conversations? Mm. And am I present or am I always plugged in? And the new experiences and new conversations for me has been a big thing that most people live the same thought patterns and the same actions and the same habits every day. Mm -hmm. And um, how do you get to know yourself there? For me, if you go and do a salsa class or you go and learn guitar, or you go and learn a language, you go and put yourself into an uncomfortable setting. I mean, I watch what you do with your skydive and your, you know, um, speaking at seminar. I was amazed. Like, I didn't do a public speaking engagement until I was 26. So I was that scared. Yeah. So you're miles ahead of the curve with that. But you know what it's like. You learn through these experiences. You build confidence because you come out with a reference point. I tried that. 
I didn't get it perfect, but I survived and mm. I know more about myself now and I know more about the activity. Yeah. And you just keep doing that, I think. Yeah, no, totally agree. And especially, like, I've always kind of pushed getting out of your comfort zone. And, like, I think the YouTube channel was probably the best thing I ever did in that sense because that was the big first point I've taken of, I don't care what other people say, I've never made a video before, but I know if I start it, I can get better, you know, because yeah. I'm going to, it's just thrown in the deep end. Same with the business, same with everything, you know, just literally just jump in the deep end. Yeah. And, and like I, I kind of made a promise myself every year I want to do one big like obviously do small things on a day to day basis but every year I want to do one big thing that scares the crap out of me because I feel like there is a lot of growth around that and like like you said if I fail I fail but like you know but I like I think I talked about this in seminar I'm more afraid of regret mm. than I am of other people's opinions so yeah um, you know an exercise I work with older clients I work with every age but I mean. I did a men's retreat a couple of weeks ago. The guys were probably an average age of 40 to 50, some older guys, some younger. But if I was to ask any of those guys, what advice would you give your 18 year old self, your 15 year old self? If I was to give myself advice looking back, it would be like, don't take yourself so seriously. Don't mm. be afraid to express yourself. Don't feel the need to wear masks to fit in, all that kind of stuff. So generally the advice you would give your younger self is the same advice you need today. Mm. So I have to remind myself of that all the time. You know, don't get caught up. Don't. Uh, you know don't don't think that you have to get things perfect and all that kind of stuff there's a good quote yesterday back to the jiu-jitsu thing of like white belts we start as white belts in jiu-jitsu that's mm. the first belt and the quote was something to the effect of you know the white belt is miles ahead of the person on the couch yeah, so you, might, yeah. yeah you might feel like a beginner but i got into surfing recently and i'm new to it and and i promised myself i'd do 100 hours this year and the mentality with that is you do 100 hours of anything you get better yeah but most people won't do the 100 hours of the new thing because they'll look silly for the first 20 or 30 hours. Mm. Like, and that's the hardest bit. And so if you can let go of the need to look cool or let go of the need to get things right or be perfect and just make yourself show up, it's the same with the gym. If I go to the gym thinking I have to have the perfect workout, I'll procrastinate and I won't do it. Yeah. But if I say I just got to show up, and so I'm getting better at surfing slowly but surely. And my first day standing on the board was like, there's an idea that um, what, how would you put it uh, a, gra a gram of action is more powerful than a ton of thinking about doing the thing mm -hmm. in other words you know one little action is so much better than living in your head yeah and that's how fear tends to operate it's like a diving board and that the longer you wait the scarier it gets because your mind comes up with all these ideas yeah. about what's going to go wrong so you yeah. know it's like starting the YouTube channel you just got to press record yeah, get it out there it. jump and then trust that you'll grow the wings on the way yeah and, and sure like you said if you fail you fail you know it's just a learning process I think Gary Vee talks a lot about that that's one of his real talking points is like you know you can spend ages thinking about something but like just do it just start and he's the reason that I started that first YouTube video you know um, but so coming back to kind of your whole career do, so obviously you have to be business savvy in what you're doing because obviously you're self-employed and that's in, in, inherently you have to be business savvy. Did you kind of learn as you go along or like did you, was it kind of, did you kind of see maybe small habits in yourself when you were younger that you were kind of slightly business savvy, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a marketer. That's what I am. Um, and I think you have to be a marketer. I think that's my strong point. You know, I can sit with a business owner and give them marketing ideas forever. Yeah. It just comes naturally to me. Um, and I've always been 
I think I just copped on early to the fact that if I find someone doing something that steps ahead of me and I can just mimic what they're doing, it's called modeling. It's yeah. Like NLP, they talk about it, neurolinguistic programming, which is a, a cert- certification in kind of psychology. Um, they talk about the idea of modeling. So find the person who's doing what you want to do and mimic what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It seems so simple, but a lot of people don't think of that because they listen to the people that aren't doing the thing. Mm. So you'll have 100 people telling you that the business is not going to work but those people haven't run businesses or haven't done it effectively. What about going to the person who's doing it? So I think I copped onto that early. So the combination of being a marketer and then finding the people that are doing better than me Mm. and just getting to books. And, you know, I was was big on reading in my twenties, you know, any book that would help me, you know, move forward. Mm. Um, But yeah, you know what business is like, you just learn by experience. Mm. You learn by throwing yourself in the deep end, by taking action before you're ready. If I had waited to be ready for my first fitness class, I never would have, never would have done the fitness class. If I had waited to be ready for my first public speaking engagement, same thing. My first book, I put up a post on social media. I said, I just finished my first book. Does any publisher want it? And I hadn't started a book. I was chancing my arm. Oh. And a publisher sat down with me for a meeting. They said, is the book done? I said, yeah, nearly done. And I hadn't started, but it was again, put yourself out there and yeah. then figure it out. I think Branson says something like that. You know, um, If you're offered an opportunity that scares you or excites you, and you don't know if you can do it, say yes and then figure it out rather than, you know, waiting. Yeah. You'll, you'll never be ready. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose you embraced digital quite early, hence why like you built an, a serious following. I think you were over 200,000 on Facebook and then obviously you're building the Instagram up and mm-hmm. you use YouTube sometimes. I know you're not as active on there anymore. But like, I suppose, did you face much backlash? Like, like, what was your original strategy? So I know just jumping in with social media, but what was your original kind of thought process with Facebook and stuff? Yeah, so um, I, I was working in the pizza shop when I moved home after failing with my mm. business. I was really struggling with my mental health, just depressed. I was really down on myself. My dad kind of pulled me aside and he said, part of your depression is due to the fact that you're obsessing over you and what's wrong with you. Cause it's very much like oh woe me everything's yeah, yeah. wrong and he said if you could go and help people in some capacity you're going to feel better about yourself so he says go and volunteer somewhere or do something and so whilst working in the pizza restaurant i, I set up a facebook page and the idea was free fitness advice every day because there wasn't much of that happening at the time it's 2011 2012 and uh, i would offer free plans so you get a you know just shoot me a message i'll write you a plan and that was my way of giving back and making a difference and keeping my interest in fitness Mm. and a couple of weeks after sending a guy a free plan out of the blue he messaged me and he said hey here's my before and after picture which i hadn't asked him for and it was Mm. amazing transformation and i shared that on the facebook page and then suddenly i started getting lots of messages and my first year on facebook was just giving away free content it was um running free programs it was you know um storytelling so sharing my journey and my story my struggles my ups my downs um and i definitely look into the states look into the uk finding people that were doing well and looking at what do they do differently and one of my offerings early on was most gyms just said we've got a sauna and we've got a treadmill and we've got this and this and this and it's 75 euro a month and i started thinking rather than what i have what's the result for the client so my offering was drop a dress size and up to a stone and body weight in your first month or I'll give you your money back. And then it was, or I'll give you double your money back. Mm. And it was an offer that people would look at and say, I'd be crazy not to give that a go. Mm. Um, so that was the kind of marketing hat. Yeah. And then uh, free Facebook groups back in the day. Um, yeah, and it's an, someone told me about the idea of top of mind awareness. And the thinking was, Galway's gonna have dentists, lawyers, doctors, 
garages, you know, every type of profession. And you want to be the person that when someone thinks about your industry and the location, you're the first person that comes to mind. Mm. And the way that happens is you put yourself as many places as you can be. So I contacted restaurants in Galway when I was starting out and said, can I take your menu, take all the healthy options off it and create the Pat Dooley approved menu. And I'll print them and you just put them in your restaurant and I'll send my clients in there. So that was one way I could get my face out there. I would put posters in the, in the supplement shops with my recommended supplements. That was another place I was. I would write uh, articles for the local paper, do podcasts. And so I was thinking about like uh, branches of a tree, all these different ways I could be seen. Yeah. And I remember a client coming to me and she said, I just moved back to Galway, went to the health shop, your face is there. Then I went into the restaurant, your face is there. Then I picked up the paper, your face is there. She goes, I can't get away from you, so I might as well sign up. Um, so it was a lot of hustle early on and, and yeah, um, driving free content through social. Yeah. That was, that's very smart. And like, that's so ahead of its time as well, because like, I know still in my industry, in digital marketing, we're still trying to drive businesses toward content marketing and they're still dragging their heels, which the fact that you copped onto that in 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. meant that you could be, you know, top of the, you know, top of the food chain. Um, and now you're inside of buses and going on the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what it is, like problems and solutions, like a business, the, the purpose of a business is to present a, pro- a solution to a problem. Mm. So the problems I was looking at was people didn't like gyms, that was a problem. People wanted to lose weight people um wanted to eat healthy but didn't have the time and so i'd look at each of those individually if they don't like gyms okay i'm gonna do outdoor fitness classes they don't have time to be prepping four different meals for everybody in the house okay i'm gonna do family friendly fat loss meals and they don't have a lot of time on their hands okay 20 minute workouts so -hmm. it's always looking at what does the client want what's the problem and how can i offer the effective solution Mm -hmm. and then the content is that yeah i would literally survey my clients and i'd say um i'm going to give away a free month to one person that fills out the survey and the survey will be, what are your three, three biggest struggles? What are your three biggest dreams? What are your three biggest aspirations? What are your three um, biggest problem areas? Some might say bingo wings, belly fat, and I struggle with sleep. And then I've got three content pieces to do articles on yeah. how to get better sleep, how to get rid of your bingo wings. So you literally go to your client, yeah. ask them what the problem is and then present the solution. And that's, yeah, that's very ahead of its time. And like the fact that you've no business training either, you know, like that's, so you're just solving simple solutions, you know, do it, keep it simple. Um, was it complexity is the highest form of, or is, no, simplicity is the highest form of complexity. You know, and the fact that like, you know, like you can do the most complicated stuff, but if you just do the basic things right, yeah. you'll be successful. And yeah, I see that now even running events in that, you know, the broader you are with what the event is, the harder it can be to fill a room. So mm-hmm. you make this long list, you say, this event is going to teach you this and this and this and this and this. Whereas if you say, this event is going to teach you about public speaking. You'll sell that quickly because it's very direct on what it is. Mm. You're not trying to serve everyone and, and not trying to be everything to everyone because mm. you don't need everyone. You just need a handful of people. Mm. So the clearer you are and the niche, you can be beneficial too, you know? Yeah. And then, so you, you started on the beach, you built up to 500 members. Did you go straight to online training or did you have you a gym in the meantime? Yeah, the day, a year to the day of starting on the beach, I opened my gym. So that was always my dream since I was a kid. And then there was, you know, a lot of my generation had gone to Australia and London and left because of the recession. And so some of them started contacting me and saying, how do I get involved? And I just, you know, light bulb moment, I'll just put the plans online. Mm. I've already got diet plans up there. I'll just video some of the workouts we're doing on the beach. And then that just, you know, I was charging the same amount of money to do an online course as I was to the gym. And I had maybe 800 clients a month online and then just 200 offline. Mm. And I had no overheads online and I had overheads with the gym, obviously. So then I decided the gym wasn't my thing anymore. 
I sold that. I uh, I just went traveling. I just kind of I can't I'm I can't do something I'm not into, and and that goes against me business wise sometimes. But I walked away from the fitness stuff pretty much overnight when I lost interest in it. And people said keep your name above the door or just keep it going. I was like nah, I'm out. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, which again is not the most business savvy thing to do. Mm. But lifestyle is the most important thing to me. I want to enjoy my life as much as I can. There's no point me preaching about do what you love and then turn yeah. off doing things I don't. Um, yeah, and what year was that when you introduced, when you made that transition? Um, I think after I did the Late Late Show. So I did a TEDx talk in 2015 and then I did the Late Late Show. And that was a time where, right, done the Late Late Big Show in Ireland. Yeah. I should probably capitalise on the fitness. And then at that very time, I was like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. And I was getting offered more talks as a result of the success of the business and the charity work we were doing. And I, the talks terrified me, um, but I got a little bit more comfortable over time. And yeah, I just decided that was where I was going to put my focus. Mm. And that's been the, the focus now for three or four years. Yeah, because I know, I remember you watching a piece of your content um, and you were saying the Late Late Show, you said from the very beginning, you were going to be on the Late Late Show yeah. and everyone laughed and you finally went and did it. Yeah. And you're saying that you kind of fell out with fitness a little bit after that. Mm. Do you ever get that sense? Because you're a very goal-driven person. You know, you, you, you find jiu-jitsu, you find mountaineering, all of this, and then you go after it. When you kind of hit, let's say, a massive goal like the Late Late Show, mm. do you almost feel, have you ever felt a sense of like, I don't know what I'm doing now? As in like, I've, I've reached that goal and I'm looking around going, okay, I spent all this time looking for one goal. Yeah. And I have no more real motivation anymore. Yeah, so it was like an interesting kind of journey through that of, of my 20s was goals, 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 goals. I want a house, I want a car, I want to travel, I want to do the Late Late Show, I want to do a TEDx talk. I literally knew everything I wanted to do. And I think the Late Late was the last thing to be, the last box to be ticked. Um, so I went from not being able to pay my rent to buying a house inside of two years, uh, you know, and got the car. Like I say, I did all these things. And when I came backstage after the Late Late Show and sat in the green room, I just thought, oh, this my life is the exact same as it was 20 minutes ago you know mm. no, nothing drastically changed and that made me aware that there's no point saying i'll be happy in six months time when i tick the next box yeah because as soon as you get there you'll move the goalposts again and you say i'll be happy when the next thing and they've done happiness research on harvard students mm. and people thought it was crazy to look at harvard students because they've got it all yeah but then you think about a harvard student they do really well in in their top of the class in school and then the expectation when they get to Harvard is they're surrounded by lots of clever people and now they're going to be at the top of that class. And then you're a Harvard graduate, so now you want to make the most money. And it's always raising the bar. Mm. So you're always chasing. And that's why Jiu-Jitsu and Mountaineering came into my life. It was something I could do where I could enjoy the journey. Mm. And I think I had a phase where I was very loose and I didn't have any goals. I was just go with the flow. And, and now I think I've found a happy medium. of I've got goals and targets, but I'm not obsessed by them. I, mm. I'm obsessed with enjoying the journey. I have to enjoy every day because there's no point being miserable for six months thinking i use the analogy of you know a lot of my clients back in the day would be getting ready for a wedding and they say i want to lose weight for the wedding in six months i don't care what plan you give me i'll be miserable for six months as long as i feel good on the wedding day mm. so it's gonna be very hard to stick to something you're miserable with for six months let's find a way to enjoy this and it might take a little bit longer to achieve the goal but at least you'll have a good time doing it mm. um so yeah i think goals are great but you got to find the balance of there's outcome goals and process goals. So the outcome is where you're going to end up. The process is the thing you do day to day. Mm. And I think it's important to have both. So for me, it's like my outcome goal might be get a black belt by the time I'm 35. Mm -hmm. But my process goal is train five, day, five times a week. Yeah. And both things are needed. You know, the process gets you to the end goal. 
Mm. A lot of people focus on the end goal, but they don't think about how they're going to get there. Mm. I think you need to be honest on that. Yeah. No, totally. And I, I kind of understand that because I'm very goal-obsessed and I probably am not present enough and something I'm trying to work on. Um, but uh, I feel like a lot of our generation, especially Generation Z, are like that because you see, like, we readily, like, we see the most successful in every area because that's what the internet, you know, because, like, they're obviously the most popular. So you're seeing the top influencers, seeing the top athletes, you know, all the time and you're like, okay, that's what I want to be. I'll be happy when. And I, when I heard you say that piece, I was like, yeah, like, you need to focus on being more happy, you know. I remember my, like, when I was 24, 25 and I was going a million miles an hour chasing everything and... Um, I mean, there was a year I did 100 talks for free. I was running the gym. I wrote two books and I was doing TV on a weekly basis. It was a lot. And then, you know, a social life on top of that and travel on top of that. It was a lot. And I remember older people telling me, you're not going to be able to maintain this pace. And I was like, no, I'm different. You know, I'm different. And they were saying, no, I've never seen anyone maintain that pace. And sure enough, I burned out through that, you know. So Mm. again, I think you can learn from the people that come before you. And I should have listened to those people. So it's just keeping an eye on it. I think your 20s are for grafting as well. As long as you're doing something you like, you know, it's good to be goal-driven. And it's, it's, just, it's just the balance, I think, you know. Um, I definitely let my friends fall to the wayside at times because I was so obsessed with goals, and that wasn't good. And luckily, I have good friends that called me out on that and said, you know, we don't see enough of you anymore, rather than them just ditching me, which yeah. they could have done, you know. So you learn through experience, but I think it's important, you know, have the goals, but also have things you do that you enjoy every day. I have a simple thing where I list a bunch of things I enjoy. So it could be like getting in the sea for a swim, jujitsu, going for a coffee with friends, uh, watching something on Netflix. I just have a list. And one thing on the list needs to happen every day. As simple as that might mm. seem. You know, um, call it the when life works list. So there's certain things you do that life works really well when you do them. Mm. You don't feel like doing it. Like I don't feel like getting in the sea, but I feel better after I do it. So I make myself do one of those things every day. That's actually very good. Actually, I think I've tried to start doing that because I have a bad habit of kind of like working all the time and then letting everything else like I've only got my fitness back in checking last three weeks so I'm kind of consistently back yeah. friends fall on the wayside dude that's pretty familiar yeah, as well you know yeah. so I definitely think I like that checklist of put down whatever a certain amount of items that yeah we call it like so I've heard it called the happiness buffet so like put down 20 things 10 things that don't rely on you having to be on a beach in Hawaii or it doesn't yeah. need anything drastic it's just simple things that you can do so it might be I'm happy when I take my dog for a walk I'm happy when I go skateboarding I'm happy when I go surfing I'm happy when I catch up with a friend and you've just got this list and then on a day where you're feeling disconnected or you feel a little bit off or you feel not just on those days preferably every day you just pick one thing off the list mm. and see if it ticks the box and it makes you feel good and if it doesn't maybe pick something else and, and yeah. yeah it's easy um, and then so let's say talk about the book process right so how was that? Because I, I know even the concept in my mind, I know a couple of authors, but the concept in my mind of like looking at trying to publish a book seems like a very daunting sort of thing. Like I, I understand launching any product can be daunting, but like the idea of a book and the fact that you put so many hours in, like how do you go about that? Do you have any background in writing? Do you get someone else to write it for you? Or what, what did no, you I, got, I, I got some help um, from a writer called Tara King. I think she lives out this direction. Actually. So she helped me. But the process, I think people overthink it. You know, I think it comes back to problem and solutions. So my first book was called 21 Day Jumpstart. The problem was there was so much fitness information. It was confusing and overwhelming. The solution was a simple at-home plan, meal oh. plan and training. Um, my second book was Naked Paleo. That was a cookbook, so a collaboration with a chef. The problem was... People wanted to do the paleo thing, but didn't know how to prep meals. The solution was give them 100 recipes. Third book was Upgrade Your Life. The problem was 
personal development seems a bit fluffy to Irish people because we're cynical. Mm. The solution was take the personal development stuff and put it in an Irish voice. My fourth book, which will be hopefully coming out next year, is called Startups and Downs. The problem is being a startup business is hard mm-hmm. and there's not much looking at the mental health side of it. There's a lot on systems and marketing and stuff. So the problem is it's overwhelming being a small business owner sometimes. The solution is the book, hopefully. So here's some strategies. Um, so problem and solution. And then I would just break it down into different chapters. Okay, so okay, what's the five things that are a big struggle for um, entrepreneurs? Loneliness, overwhelm, imposter syndrome, um, fear and self-doubt. What's the five solutions? Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And that's 10 chapters. And that might be the starting point. Yeah. Each chapter, okay, the chapter on fear. What five points do I want to make on fear? I would just work that way. Then start working yeah. backwards. I suppose, like, like you said, like the whole black belt thing and then train it five times a week. Like, you have the bigger goal, which is daunting. Yeah. But when you break it down, when you break it down like that, then it seems a lot more realistic. Uh, yeah. As, as J- Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, used to have a thing where you might have heard this before. He had a wall chart mm. and every day he would write one joke and he would put a big red X on the wall chart and his goal was to never break the streak. And the theory was if he writes a joke every day, at least a few of the jokes in the month would be good. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he waits until he's inspired and he only writes when he's inspired, there might be nothing in the month. And so in the same way, if you were to write a book, you could say, I'm going to write two A4 pages every day. Or I'm going to type two A4 pages. That's 700 pages in a year. That's three books probably. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you start editing that down. So it's, it's that idea of just keep showing up. Um, Ed Sheeran, I always reference different people, but Ed Sheeran was asked, what made you an amazing musician? And he said, when you turn on a, a tap that hasn't been turned on in a long time, dirty water spits out. Mm-hmm. He says, if you leave it flowing, eventually the clean water comes. And he said, that's the same when you start a creative process of a book or music. He said his first hundred gigs, he was awful. That was the dirty water coming out to make room for the good first you know learning to sing learning to write songs and he said most people don't want the dirty water mm. so they turn back off the tap but if you want to be creative you got to let that come through first yeah um and then <clears throat> so i suppose you kind of were building up your social media and stuff and obviously that was a good funnel for the likes of your book and all the and your um online courses what other ways did you kind of go about that so did you like what sort of countries like i presume ireland was your main point but what other what other countries did well and what other like was it mainly ireland or where did you sell with the book yeah Yeah, so the first two books were through an irish publisher small publisher they did really well in ireland thankfully yeah third book went through john wiley that's a big publisher in the uk and randomly that was i think that was in every airport every a lot of airports all around europe and overseas um, so I don't know where that did well, but it did randomly get translated to Arabic. So it went through an Arabic dealer as well. So it's it's out in Arabic, which I thought was strange because, again, the premise of that book was personal development for Irish people. Yeah. And there's all these stories about my friends and my dad and, you know, and, and now it's out in the Middle East, which is strange. But, um, yeah, just pr- primarily um, the Irish audience. And then it hasn't done a huge amount abroad. You know, it's sold a certain amount in America and Australia and these different places and just pops up randomly. But part of my theory is you never know who's in front of you. So there might be one person that picks up that book and is the biggest contact in the world for something. Like there was a girl last year listening to my podcast and she worked for Qatar Airways and they flew me out to Qatar to give a keynote for their conference. Wow. And I was like, where did you hear about me? She said, oh, I just heard one of your podcasts. So the same as what you're doing here. It's like the more content you put out there, good content, um, the more people you're getting in front of. Mm. And same with public speaking, you might only have five people turn up for your talk, but for all you know, one of those people could have the biggest 
network in the country you yeah. know so you just got to always show up and consistently show up that's going to be my thing for 2012 2019 seven eight years now every day i show up you know yeah um so hitting a few other keywords before we kind of wrap up the whole public speaking thing like i've always been fascinated by it and since i was very young and obviously i got to seminar because thanks to dr damien clark for letting me have the opportunity but um I saw, I actually really liked what you did, the, the kind of t- it was a, almost a 10 year difference of your, one of your first public speaking oh, yeah, gigs yeah, yeah. and what you're like now. And it was fascinating because like, I think people see you right now and you're, very, you're a very polished public speaker now because you've done it hundreds, if not thousands of times. What made you kind of go in that direction? Like what made you want to go up on stage? Because I know you said you were terrified of it, you know, mm. but what made you go, okay, this is worth me push myself constantly? Um. It was, it was different things. I think, you know, we're driven by inspiration or desperation. So some people are inspired by something and they want to move towards something. And then other people are trying to get away from something. So mm. for me, being broke at Christmas when I was 24 and not having presents or money to buy my family presents and having to move back in with my parents, I promised myself that day, like, I was like, this is never going to be the case again. And so that not wanting to be in that position, not wanting to be struggling as much as I was struggling mentally and emotionally, um, pushed me into, right, I'm scared, Mm. but I don't want to go back there. So that was part of it. And then just, you know, the feedback you get from people that connect with what you're saying. Like, I, I saw this thing the other day. It said, like, each of us is a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And for the jigsaw to all come together, you've got to do what you're supposed to do in your own voice. So there could be a hundred personal development speakers, but only I can present in a way that certain people will hear and only you can present in a way that other people will hear. Mm. And so it's kind of recognizing that as well, that if I don't go and do the thing, I'm letting other people down, I'm letting myself down. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, I don't know how I ended up doing it, or, but I, I'm glad I did. Um, yeah. Yeah, because you'll be one of the, like you, you are one of the top motivational speakers in the country like you know uh, even I was in at seminar and you were even talked about at seminar by the other speakers you know like as in like you know that how great Pat was last year and stuff that you were mentioned you know and like how do you like I suppose how do you handle kind of almost admiration because you know like you build up a big fan base and you have helped so many people Mm. and they come up to you and say like you know you've changed my life and but like I feel like a lot of it will become desensitized to things, you know, when you're exposed to it too often. Mm. How do you try and still receive that admiration? And, but like, and then at the same time, I know people would say the same thing about, you know, people leaving bad comments on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, so do you have almost a desensitized to both? So how do you try and balance that? I think I am somewhat desensitized to both. Um, yeah, I... I, I um people say that a bird on a tree will sing and if people like the singing that's cool the bird will keep singing if people don't like the singing that's cool the bird's going to keep singing anyway because the bird's supposed to sing um so it's a little bit of that that you know i have to check in with the positive sometimes because you hear such lovely feedback and you know stories you wouldn't believe you know about people overcoming certain things and you know struggling with their family and health issues and, and deaths and, and divorces and every type of thing and they say you know the podcast or the talk got me through and that can go in one ear and out the other and not in a way of not being appreciative of, course, of yeah. it but just kind of obviously not wanting to get bogged down in that because um you know i just feel like i'm doing what i'm supposed to do and and um 
there's no expectation from me that anyone would ever tell me those things and I just got to keep showing up and doing my thing um but then it is you know for as a confidence piece there's times I do talks and I come off stage and I say oh that was a disaster I wasn't happy with that and uh maybe at those times I need to check in with the positives and I Mm. need to remember because again it still scares me to some degree um the thought of standing up you know last week four presentations 100 people at least at each of those you're doing that on a weekly basis that's a lot of people to be putting yourself in front of where you're being judged every time mm-hmm. and so um if i don't want to do it i kind of remind myself this isn't just about you it's about the people that are getting great results mm-hmm. um and and getting great benefit from the talks and need that little bit of hope so it's it's kind of going from like being an opportunity to speak to being an obligation now to speak if that makes sense mm-hmm. um but yeah, I haven't quite sussed that one, but definitely somewhat desensitized. I don't know yeah. if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But. Yeah, I know. Um, so one last thing, I always ask this question at the end of the podcast. Um, so if someone's starting out, not necessarily, let's say, in your industry, but like just in general, what would your advice to be? Because the guests are trying to bring on a paved their own way, mm-hmm. done something a little bit different. What would your, what would your let's see if you, I know you have plenty of advice and you give it on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. but if there's one piece you'd want to give people to listen Something I did that changed a lot for me was when I was working the pizza shop at 24, and I keep coming back to that, looking back, you know, 24 is young and I shouldn't have been beating myself up and everything else. But at the time, I just thought I, sh- I should be successful. Um, I said, I'm not happy. And I asked myself, what would a good day look like? And I did this exercise where you write about your perfect day from first thing in the morning to last time you go, last thing at night. And you write down as much detail as possible. So I said, I wake up at half six, I feel well rested and ready for the day. I drive to the beach in my van. I meet my clients. I really like all of my clients. I don't work with people I don't like. After class, we go and have a coffee. Then I chill out for a couple of hours. I do some education. I do my jujitsu. And I wrote out all this stuff that wasn't true at the time. And it's just asking yourself two years from now, what would a perfect day look like? And it's not the perfect day of sat on a beach in Hawaii. It's what would an average day look like for you? Who would you spend time with? You know, what would you do in your free time? What impact would you be having on the world? And that just opened up a lot of clarity for me. And it showed me I don't need to be making millions. I don't need to be working crazy hours. But that exercise shows you the lifestyle you want. It shows you your core values. It shows you the impact you want to have. I think that's important because I found myself, you know, I, I, I achieved that perfect day but then I took on too much and suddenly mm. I was overly busy and sometimes we think that being busy is, is a great thing but then you fall away from the lifestyle I'm in business for lifestyle over everything else I'll say no to money uh, if it's going to affect my lifestyle I don't care about that you know I, mm. I, I just want to be able to do my rock climbing and my surfing and my jiu-jitsu and everything else and if my business can support that that's my plan I don't need to be mega rich mm. And other people are different. They want to be mega rich or they want to have a big team. I just want to be a solopreneur, small team, me and one or two others. And again, have a good lifestyle, make a good impact and just keep doing that. So the perfect day exercise, I would start with that. Where do you want to be in two years? From the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, what would that look like? That's good exercise. Yeah, that's one of the great advice. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Do you want to plug your social media? I'll leave it all linked down below as well. Uh, where yeah. can they find you? I'm old now, so uh, it's good to be getting in front of a younger audience <laughs> through you. Uh, I'm on Patively um, with LinkedIn and Instagram, Twitter. I'm on everything. And, and my podcast is the Patively Podcast. So Perfect. Thanks Thank you, man, for coming Thank on. Thank you, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, comment down below which was your favorite part, what you enjoyed, what you took away from it. And yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you did enjoy it, subscribe down below, give the video a thumbs up. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Good night, we live.